God, thank you so much that we can sing praises to you. Thank you so much that you are a God worthy of our praise. We love you, Lord. I pray that you would be with Scott as he brings the word to us. I pray that you would use him as a faithful instrument to teach the hearts that are in this room. We love you and pray this in your son's name. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Scott, and I'm uh, one of the elders here at uh, Pillar. Uh, if you have your Bibles, please join me in Philippians. Uh, we'll be starting in chapter 2 this week uh, in verse 1. If you're using one of the provided Bibles, uh, Philippians starts on page 921, and we'll go from 921 to 922. Um, and if you don't have a Bible, please feel free to take one of those provided Bibles to give from, from us to you. If you've been with us here the, the past few weeks, uh, you will have heard the main theme of this letter from Paul to the Philippians, is to pursue gospel-centered unity for the sake of gospel advancement in all circumstances to glorify God. And I'll repeat that. Uh, to pursue gospel-centered unity for the sake of gospel advancement in all circumstances to glorify God. We read this week's text uh, in chapter 2, Paul is writing to encourage the Philippians uh, to live out their life in Christ and life in the Spirit, uh, not by way of a performance checklist, uh, but that by living for others uh, is also is living for Christ. So the main idea for this week's text, uh, verses 1 to 11, is faithfully show Christ to one another and serve others as Christ has served you. Faithfully show Christ to one another, and serve others as Christ has served you. As I was prepping for this sermon this week, uh, I wanted to see what the world of Google had to say when I searched uh, living for others. As you can imagine, things like Stop living for others and live for yourself. The joy of living for yourself and not others. Living for yourself and not feeling guilty about it were amongst the few at the top of the list. So I clicked on the one, uh, the joy of living for yourself and not others. And what I proceeded to read is exactly what the world wants someone to believe. The exact way that the world wants somebody to act for themselves. They want you to love yourself. And one excerpt from the article stated, eventually though we must learn to love ourselves and find within us the love, approval, validation, and confidence we've been yearning for. And thus begins the journey of discovering internal validation over external validation. Living for yourself means living the life that you want for yourself, regardless of the opinions of others. It's living a life you feel aligned with, a life you love, and a life you're proud of. See, all of this is contrary to the life of a Christian. I said a minute ago that living for others is living for Christ, meaning that we seek to live for Jesus. 
instead of living for ourselves. Christ was very clear that if we are to come after him, that we are to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. See, I I say that because this is the basis for which we love and esteem our brothers and sisters in Christ. Seeking the good for others before looking out for yourself. And you'll see later how this applies in the text uh, that we'll be going through uh, today. So I have one question, um, actually two questions, there was. Are you dying to the right to be your own boss? Or are you still living for yourself and all the comforts that this world claims that it has to offer? Perhaps you do place others before yourself, but only because you seek that recognition by others for the things that you've done for them. So, would you please join me in reading this week's text, starting in verse 1. So, if there is any encouragement in Christ... Any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, and that at at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. The fa- to the glory of God the Father. Would you pray with me? Father, uh, thank you so much uh, for this time this morning. May it be uh, your word that is heard and rightfully divided uh, here today, uh, for there is nothing that I can do to stir the hearts of those who walked uh, through those doors today. Lord, let your spirit do the work today. Let every ear be open and and let every heart be ready to receive. God, I know that we come with many distractions uh, this day, and I pray that all those distractions uh, that folks sitting out here uh, today uh, may be feeling uh, that they would be laid aside. It's in your son's name that I pray. Amen. So this morning, the, the first point I have for you uh, is Christ is the ultimate and perfect example of humility. Christ is the ultimate and perfect example of humility. 
the example that Paul writes about uh, Jesus is not unique and can be found written uh, throughout the New Testament. However, it is absolutely worth bringing to light the supreme reality of Christ's life, which is why I'm starting in verses 5 to 8 before we hit verses 1 to 4. You see, the Christians in the Philippian church uh, were living out their faith in Christ, yet Paul is clearly calling them to do more, uh, to not be satisfied with where they presently are, and to continue to demonstrate their faith daily, to grow their relationship with God, and to grow in unity with one another. By doing this, you'll see later, Uh, what Paul means when he says to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. Count others more significant than yourselves, and when Paul says to not look only to his interest, but also to the interest of others. So as we dive right in, uh, in verse 5, Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. The mind which Paul is referring to is simply an attitude which is modeled and found only in Jesus Christ. An attitude that in order for the Philippians to remain in unity and grow in Christ's likeness, they should seek to model this type of behavior for a life that is to be lived for God. To better understand that, let's look here at verses 6 through 7. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. There's a few things that we cannot glance over here. Uh, The fact that Christ was both fully God and fully man. And in John 1, verses 1 to 4, he writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was, wit- was the light of men. However, that is not what Paul is trying to express here. Uh, he wants the Philippians and us as the readers today to understand that Christ though he did not count equality with God, Christ gave up his heavenly status with the Father. He emptied himself. Or what I like is the, uh, the NIV translation states it, but made himself nothing. This doesn't mean that Christ didn't have all the divine attributes as before. It, doesn't, it means that he set aside all rights that he had with his heavenly Father. Without ever abandoning who he was originally, he came down and he took the form of a servant, a lowly position. He took on all the essential attributes of humanity. He took on lowly status and position because his love, which had driven him to a position of weakness for the sake of sinners. And then we read on in verse 8. Being found in human form, 
He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Death on a cross. It was, this is a, a brutal and a humiliating death that the Romans would save for someone who was beyond disdain. Romans would not even use this type of execution for their own citizens. Christ humbled himself, obeyed the will of the Father, and he suffered at the hands of unbelievers. So humility and humbleness can very easily be an outward show for anyone. Uh, while still having a heart full of pride and arrogance, to only show outwardly rather than from the heart is not true of true humility. For the believer, when we come to true saving faith in Christ, we come as sinners, acknowledging that there's absolutely nothing that we have to offer Him but our sin and need for a Savior. For we have nothing. Humility starts at the beginning of salvation, that apart from Christ we can do nothing. This humility caused the Son of God to consider our need of redemption to be more important than His desire to clutch His rightful glory at all times. See, Christ was all in. It wasn't just a little bit of God that the world got. It was everything. Absolutely everything. Which brings me to point number two. Show Christ to one another and seek to live a gospel-centered life with fellow Christians. Show Christ to one another and seek to live a gospel-centered life with fellow Christians. See, now that Christ's example of humility and humble service has been explained, uh, let's look at the first four verses. Paul in his letter clearly sets forth how humility leads us to esteem others. Uh, not to where Paul is telling them, the Philippians, hey, place others above Christ, no, that's, that's not what he's saying at all. Uh, this example, this Jesus Christ, the pre-existent, incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended to the right hand of the Father, God-man, the one who completed the work for us, that is who Paul is writing about. So that the Philippians would set others above themselves, because again, that is exactly what Christ did for sinners. Paul in verses 3 and 4 writes to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility to count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The Christians within the Philippian church, they could have easily you know, started to seek a status uh, for themselves. Um, started doing things from the selfishness of their own hearts. But Paul warning them uh, of such things before it occurs. 
So I want you to remember that they, the Philippians, they're, they're not in a time of any type of spiritual regress. Or they're not being infiltrated by false teachers. Although later in this series, in chapter 3, um, Paul will warn, warn about the enemies of the cross. Paul's teaching them here to not be content with where they are as a body, but to take this same level of concern for the world that Christ had and apply it also to the interests of others. Again, Paul, who's sitting in prison, who could have easily written letters of lament, misery, self-pity about his current predicament, he didn't do that. You know, Paul counts the Philippians more important than himself. He counts their interests more important than his own interests. And Paul trusts and carries that same level of humility that has been found in his love for Jesus Christ. Then we read in verses 1 and 2. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy to complete my joy by being of the same. Same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind. See here, Paul, Paul shows them that this is what the life looks like for the people of God. That this same mind would be found among the body of believers to comfort, to love, to be affectionate, sympathetic, all with the same desires and ambitions. See, all these delightful blessings that the Christian has now uh, experienced, there simply is no option uh, to, take, to conduct oneself in such a manner. Paul is asking them to complete my joy uh, by adopting the same stance as those who have already ministered to you. So how does this apply uh, to the Christian today? Well, for one, uh, if you are a, a church member, we should be living for each other, seeking to build the body so that two would, you know, so that we too would experience uh, that same completeness of joy that Paul is talking about. And it's because of the work on the cross that we have this free gift that turns us away from our own selfish ambitions. our own selfish ambitions that would hold us back from true fellowship and service to one another in Christ. See, our sinful nature brings with it enough excuses, enough long explanations and justifications on why we can or we cannot do something. Um, we are quick to assume that Someone else will do it. 
anyone who has children, uh, especially preschool-age children, uh, you have probably witnessed firsthand uh, one of those long, drawn-out excuses after they perhaps did something they shouldn't have. Actually, like an excuse uh, where you question, how did you even come up with that? You see, adults have the tendency to do this as well. Uh, So, Things don't change the, the older that we get. You know, perhaps we see a family going through a trial or a spouse who's going through a deployment. We don't want to be the ones to come alongside them. You know, we just assume that someone else will, will do it or, again, we make excuse, excuses or justifications as to why we can't be the ones that that do that for them. Seek to live a gospel-centered life with other brothers and sisters. Church members, look at others the way Christ regarded you as people in need of love and service. I'll say that again. We are people in need of love and service. My third point this morning is be joyful and obedient as we patiently await our heavenly reward. Be joyful and obedient as we patiently await our heavenly reward. And verses 9 to 10 reads, Therefore, God, has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And this is a staggering implication of who Christ is. The name that is above every name. Lord. Now, Eddie read it this morning when we did our public reading of Scripture in Isaiah 45. Only in the Lord it shall be said of me are righteousness and strength. To him shall come and be ashamed all who were incensed against him. In the Lord, all the offspring of Israel shall be justified and shall glory. See, Paul is proclaiming here uh, to the Philippians that the son's perfect obedience followed by his death for sin and his resurrection, reveals all the more clearly that Jesus indeed is worthy to be Lord of all. That exaltation itself is so powerful, so comprehensive that at the name every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. You see, the the entire created order, saved or unsaved, they will bow down and they will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
without exception, will our goal, our God, exalt those who are His in Christ. As we see uh, in Matthew 23, verse 12, Matthew writes, Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Folks, I want you to just think for a second that that those uh, in the New Testament Gospels, uh, what they did when they learned who Christ was, they didn't walk up and say, hey, give me a high five, give me a hug. No, they fell down and they worshiped him. So whether you ever expect to or not, um, I'm sure God has presented the opportunity to present the gospel, some type of evangelism uh, to an unbeliever, whether that's with a family member who you've known your entire life, uh, a close friend, uh, perhaps another co-worker, and you present the gospel to them, and it's only in turn that you're refuted with something like, nah, you know, my, life, my life's good right now. Um, this Jesus that you, you talk about might help you and, and work for you, but not me. I don't need him. You know, one thing you might respond with is, say, this Jesus is, is not some sort of personalized therapy that I choose to follow when it fits my needs. This Jesus is who one day all will have to give an account to, that whether it be in joy or shame and fear, that, again, every knee will bow to him and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I'll hit my my three points again. First point again was Christ, the ultimate and perfect example of humility. Number two was show Christ to one another and seek to live a gospel-centered life with fellow Christians. And point number three was to be joyful and obedient as we patiently await our heavenly reward. I talked in the beginning um, about how the world wants us to believe that living for ourselves is the best way to live. That's to seek our own interests uh, above the interests of others. That learning to love ourselves starts with the approval, the, the validation, and confidence that we have been yearning for. Just remember, for the Christian, it's the complete opposite. For the Christian, it is his, God's, salvation work in us. As we are called to look away from ourselves to God 
in Christ alone for salvation. It is a willingness to put aside and sacrifice your time, your energy, your rights, position, status, privileges, comforts, and for some, even your very life for Christ. Remember, when we are turned away from ourselves, we long to serve one another as Christ came to serve us. So if you're here today and you have not placed your faith in Jesus Christ, and you have some questions about what that looks like, maybe, hey, who is this Jesus that we talk about uh, up here every Sunday? Uh, I would encourage you to talk with uh, anyone that you have seen up here uh, on stage today. Um, you guys please uh, join me in prayer. Father, we thank you uh, so much uh, for the example that we have uh, in your son, Jesus Christ, who came down from his heavenly throne uh, and dwelt among sinners. Who gave up uh, his rights, Lord, so that we may uh, be saved and have salvation. So God, I pray that uh, for those sitting here today uh, and myself that uh, we would continue to fix our eyes on the cross, uh, fixing our eyes on uh, you, Jesus, who came as that lowly servant uh, to serve and not to be served. Lord, that we would remember that daily. That we would continue to deny ourselves and uh, pick up our cross seeking to live for you, Jesus, and love others as you have loved us. God, again, thank you for your word. Thank you for this time. In your son's name we pray. Amen. So as